Well, good morning and welcome again to Better Life Church. We're so thankful that you come and worship with us. I want to just remind all of us, we are one church in three locations. That's right. We have a campus in Ashland. We have a campus in Grayson. Come on, can, Maury, can we get up for our campuses? We love you guys. Man, what the Lord is doing in and through you guys is amazing in this region to see. And to see what God is up to, I'm telling you, God is moving uh, in this area. There's no doubt about it. Just a couple of weeks ago, and all of our locations combined, we've seen over two, right, almost 2,000 people come out for our Easter worship experience, which was amazing. Last Sunday, Pastor Bob Russell retired from Southeast Christian Church, one of the largest churches in the entire United States, showed up here and preached on and talked to us about being an ambassador for Jesus. It was an incredible, incredible message. If you missed it, I'm encouraged you to go back and watch it. Also, last Sunday, I want you to share this with you, that last Sunday that we had 429 kids between all three campuses come to our kids' ministry and our spring carnival. 429 kids, is that not amazing? Man, gosh, that the Lord would entrust those precious souls to us to teach them about Jesus on their level. And on top of all that, we had tons and tons of people follow Jesus, and then last Sunday, we saw 23 people get baptized. Come on now, is that something to celebrate? Let's go at all of our locations and campuses. And so today, I'm really excited about this series. I, you know, Caleb, our, our worship leader, he came in, he said, hey, what do you wanna do for May? And you know, him and I, we usually plan out sermon series and we think through them. And, and I said, you know, we got a crazy packed out May. We got Mother's Day in the middle of May. We got something special at the end uh, on Memorial Day weekend. We, we had this crazy packed out. I said, you know what, I'm, what I'm sensing? He said, what? I said, man, I'm sensing we go back. It's like, before we, we, let's just do a throwback. And he goes, what do you mean? He said, I wanna go back to the vault and I wanna pull some things out from back in the day when we launched Better Life Church. He said, okay, okay, kinda like scrapbooking. We go back and see and catch it. I said, yeah, man, I think it's gonna be great and, and I think we, we should do this and we'll tag what year we did at the end. And so today, I'm going all the way back to 2008. I told him, I said, I don't even know if you were born yet. <laughs> he goes, man, I was in eighth grade. I said, okay, okay, you were born. And so we're gonna go back to 2008 and, and, and just not to single anybody out or embarrass me or anything, but if you were here, that's the year that we launched. If you were here in 2008, anytime in 2008, could you just raise your hand real quick if you were here? Come on, free. Yeah, look here. Yeah, that, that's our people, right? Right. That's a, y'all remember back in the day. Like, are we, are we ever going to make it? And Lord surely obviously came through. Man, it's so good to see all your hands here at Moorhead that are still here since 2008. And so there was a series we did in August 2008 called Fearless. And I went through different groups of people in the Bible, characters in the Bible, and talked about how they were fearless for God. And one of those guys that I talked about was a guy named Gideon, found in Judges chapter six. So we're gonna go back to this, this time, back in May 2008, I, I preached this message. It's very similar to the same thing. In fact, some of the same points, same scripture that I wanna pull out today and communicate to us. Because here's what's so fascinating about the Bible. The Bible is living and it's active. And so it, that's why when you read your Bible, you may have read something over and over and over and over and over, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you heard a sermon over and over and over, and then all of a sudden, you're like, man, you had an aha moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I never saw that before. I never understood that. I mean, I've read this passage a thousand times, and now I kind of get it, I see. If, that, if you ever had that moment in your life, that's the Holy Spirit 
speaking to you through his living and active word. And it speaks to us every different way, every different times of our life, no matter what you're going through. And so today we're going to jump into Judges chapter 6. I'm really excited about this. I pray that this message will encourage you as we go back. And uh, we're going to be looking at verse 1. And what's happened here is that 200 years before this, so if you get a picture of this, so 200 years before this, the Israelites destroyed the Mennonites. I mean, they, the Israelites just, just took them, took their lunch, man, took them out, and the Israelites took the land and went into, into Midia and then took out the Mennonites. Fast forward now 200 years, we're about to find out the Israelites have turned their back on God, and for, and for like seven years, God allowed the Mennonites to come in and persecute the Israelites because of their disobedience. God allowed this to, to come in and to happen. And so we pick up right here in, in, with the Israelites being persecuted by the Mennonites. And, and, and what does God do to turn this ship around? Like what does God do to turn the boat around so that Israel could get back to him and get back on the same direction? And so in verse one, the Bible says, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and for seven years he gave them into the hand of the Mennonites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts, caves, and stronghold. Now, what you're going to read in verse 3 through 6 is that the, the Mennonites wanted to utterly destroy the Israelites. Like, man, I remember, I remember when you, when you came and took us. I remember what you did to us. I remember how you defeated us. We're, not, we're going to make sure not one Israelite is alive. We're going to utterly destroy you. And they strategically waited until it was time to grow the harvest and to grow the crops. So when they come in, they would take all their food, destroy all their livestock, and eventually destroy the entire people of Israel. And so the Israelites ran out of the land, ran up to the mountaintops, and they were hiding in caves and clefts. They were scared to death of the Mennonites because they heard how evil and what they were going to do. Well, God sends a prophet to them to remind them, hey, you remember how God delivered uh, the Israelites from Egypt? He's going to do the same thing for you, but the Israelites would not believe him. The Israelites did not believe the prophet, the man of God who stood up and says, listen, remember what happened? You remember what God did? He's gonna do the same, but they did not believe him. They would not take him at his word. So verse 11, if you'll skip down. It says, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak tree of Ophrah. Now, I think the first time I preached this, I said, Oprah. Come on, don't judge me. It looks like Oprah, right? When you're reading fast and your mind works like mine works, I thought, hey, he sat under the tree of uh, 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 Oprah, okay, or Orphra, that belonged to Joaz Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press, keeping it from the midnights. Remember, they came in during the time of harvest, so he took all the wheat he could, stored it in a hole up on top of a mountain, and now he's inside of a hole threshing wheat. I don't have time to jump into that, but that's a redundant, ridiculous thing because you gotta have wind blowing when you thresh wheat. You throw it up in the air, the wind blows the dirt and the shaft off, and so the wheat and the kernel falls to the ground. So to be in a hole on top of a mountain threshing wheat is a useless mundane task, but we'll, we'll get to that some other time. Verse 12, and when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, and look what he said to Gideon. Now remember, Gideon's scared, he's in a hole, he's threshing wheat, he's, he's trying to, to just have enough food, he's running from the midnights, and look what God says to him. It says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now this seems funny, doesn't it? This, this seems like an, an oxymoron. How can you be scared, right? And, and then be a mighty warrior. You know what an oxymoron is, don't you? You know, like jumbo shrimp, like Microsoft works, <laughs> most of the time it does it. Louisville football, okay, you know what I'm saying? Like, this, 
I had to get back at Bob Russell, man. He threw, he threw some punches last week at UK fans. So anyway, just had to throw that back out. Love you, Bob, if you ever watch this. All right, all right throw that back out. So, so this, is, this is like oxymoron. He, he's scared, but then God sees, but you're a mighty warrior. Now, your translation may say mighty man of valor. Now, that's a word we don't use today. No one uses the word valor. No one, no one speaks that way and with that much passion says, you mighty men of valor. And valor really means there's a strength in your spirit, there's a strength in your mind that enables a person to encounter danger. It really means this, you are a person of personal bravery. That you have personal bravery that you're willing to risk your life for something. And I see that within you, Gideon. I see something great within you. And Gideon's like, me? There's no way. We're up on a mountain. We're hiding. I mean, who am I to be able to do anything great? He's afraid and he's hiding in a hole. But here's what's so important. I want you to get this today is that God saw something in Gideon that he didn't see in himself. And God sees something in you that you don't see in yourself. You see failures, you see past, you see mistakes, you see the things you've done, because that's what the devil wants to remind you of. But God sees purpose, and God sees potential, and God sees a dream, and God sees his calling upon your life. And so a lot of times, we will listen more to what the devil has to say to us than what God's words wants to say to us. We're, we, 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 we're accused by the devil, and we feel that, instead of taking God's word and looking at what he says who we are. And so now we see that God saw something in Gideon that he didn't see in himself. And I'm gonna tell you this, that God sees something in you today, right now, that you don't see in yourself. You have your excuses, but God sees potential. He sees greatness within you, even though you don't sense it, even though you don't feel it, because God sees the end. He knows everything about us. But if you're like me, as soon as God sees something in you or God wants to do something great through you, what do you do? All your insecurities rise up. All your excuses, all the problems or the past or the pain, there's things in your life that rises up for you begin to make excuses. There's no way God could use me to do and then you fill in the blank. There's no way God wants me to and then you fill in the blank. Verse 13, pardon me, my Lord, getting replied. And then he gets a little sassy here. He gets a little sassy. Look what he says, look what he says. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Is that not a valid question? Where have all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did you not hear but the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Folks, we fall in the same exact trap. Every single one. We fall in the same exact trap. When suffering or pain or heartache or situations or problems come our way, we begin to say, God, where are you? We begin to blame God, we begin to question God, 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 if God is so good, then why does she walk out on me? If God is so good, then why did my grandma pass away? If God is so good, why did I lose my job? If God is so good, then why did I file bankruptcy? If God is so good, then why do I have this illness? If God is so good, then why am I suffering? We do the exact same thing that Gideon did. When we're faced with circumstances, situations that don't go our way, that don't come our way, we stop for a moment and we say, God, why? Why? If you were here, then this wouldn't have happened. If you were really for us and not against us, then this would have went through. And we begin to put our faith. And you may not do it just right yet, but when nothing fixes your problem and you've prayed and you've tried and you showed up to church and you went to counseling or you, you, you sent out your resume, you try to get a job, you're like, everybody said, just pray about it, you gotta have faith. And you said, I have faith and you have faith. And then it doesn't happen. Now you begin to question God. I said, faith? You brought me all the way here just to suffer? 
you moved us here for this to happen, faith, and you do exactly what Gideon just did, and we begin to question God and take him at his word. And here's my first point, because this is really what it shows within me and you, okay? I'm not preaching, it's us, we're a family. This is what it begins to show to us, is this right here, here's what it is, is that our lack of trust in God. When we begin to question God, it is our lack of trust in him. Now, God is not afraid of our questions. Let me make sure we're on clear. God's okay with the questions. You can ask God. And sometimes though we ask the wrong question. Instead of saying, why God? We start saying, okay, God, what do you want me to learn from this? God, what are you up to? God, what do you want me to see in the circumstances? And I think the faster that we get on page with God in our problems and circumstances, the faster the circumstance goes away. The more we wallow in it, we question God, what well, God's doing a work in you. He wants you to see something. So when problems and circumstances come your way, instead of saying, God, why? God, what are you up to? God, what do you want me to see? God, what do you want me to change? God, how do you want me to see this through a new lens, a new perspective? Because God may not change your circumstances, but he may wanna change you. And so you need to question, that God, what? He's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of whatsoever, but are we asking the right questions? Because when we have a lack of trust in God, we do the same thing. God, if you're with me, God, if you're for me, then, and we go through all the questions, right? Then why are you not answering my prayers? You don't have to raise your hand. How many times have you prayed and God didn't answer your prayer? But here's the reality, God always answers your prayer. It's either yes, no, or wait. He always answers your prayer. Yes, let's do that. No, that's not what's good for you. Hey, it's not time right now. Just keep being patient. Keep pursuing me. Just keep waiting. But God, I'm praying. Just hang tight. God, the breakthrough has come. The miracles come. Just keep the faith. Just keep persistent. Just keep knocking. Just keep asking. Just keep seeking. God always answers prayers. It's either yes or no, or it's a wait. And if God, if this is really, really why this happened to me, and we go on and on and through, God, where are you? We question. Because God, if you were really here, my marriage wouldn't be held in south, or my kids wouldn't be rebelling, or I wouldn't be alone, or, or no one cares. If God, I would have a job by now. I'd be married by now. I'd have a date by now, right? God, where are you? Nothing goes in my favor. That comes, watch this, from a lack of trust. That God, I don't trust you. And I know this, I know this about every one of us. We want to trust God, right? We want, no one was coming and say, do you trust God? Mm, yeah, right, yeah, he, yeah, I trust him. No one, when you're put on the spot, but at the end of the day, when things don't go our way, it shows a lack of trust when we begin to act like Gideon, going, God, if you were here, then why? Then show up, then how come you? And we question him, not, not questioning God is wrong, but asking the wrong questions to him that we don't understand it. Because we begin, obviously, to blame God when things don't go our way, shows a lack of trust in God. Then, here's another thing that begins to show, if we get past that point, here's a second point, mate, it may be, or a wrong belief about ourselves. We may have the wrong belief about ourselves. And here's what I know to be true for all of us, we all believe something about ourselves. In fact, you only feel what you believe. And if you feel like you're, if you, if you believe that you're a loser, you feel like a loser, you will live life like a loser. If you believe that you're no good, you feel like you're no good and you're gonna live like if you're no good. But if you believe that I'm a child of God, feel that I'm a child of God, I'm gonna live and walk as a child of God no matter what circumstances comes my way. This is the battlefield and this is what the enemy wants. If he can get you to believe something, then you will feel something and then you will act out on something. 
So your actions is not your problems. Your feelings are not your problems. Your belief is your problems. This is what the enemy wants. That's what repentance is. I change my mind. That changes my heart. That changes my actions. When I change my mind, what God says about me, it changes how I feel how God says about me, and then I will live what God says about me. This is the battlefield, but the problem is we allow the devil, our past, our problems, our pain, the world, the culture, everything out there to warp our mind. That's why the Bible says guard what comes into your mind. Make sure it's honorable and true and noteworthy. But we fill our mind with toxic stuff. We fill our mind with everything that we see in social media and in the world, and we fill our mind with it, what, a, what you should look like, how you should act, what you should be, and then all of a sudden, then we have this contradiction within us, and then we feel, and therefore we act on a certain behavior. This is the battlefield. Maybe you have the wrong belief about yourself. We see this in Gideon, because he did. Gideon had this wrong belief about himself. Look what happens in verse 15. He says, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? How can I amount to anything? I didn't do good in school. I wasn't smart. I wasn't pretty. I didn't have enough money. In fact, I'm impoverished. No one cared about me. No one liked me. My parents were divorced. I didn't know who my parents are. Like, we make all these excuses. We all have this victim mentality and blame everything in our past and blame everything that happens. Can you change the past? No. But can you change tomorrow? Yes, by what you do today. And that can be changed today. Right now can be changed. You no longer have to be th thinking that way anymore. You can change your mind today. Absolutely you can. And so he says, Lord, can I save Israel? And look what he says. Look at his excuses. My clan, out of all the tribes, is the weakest in Manassas. And I am the least in my entire family. See, the moment when God wants to begin to do something great in your life, we begin to make excuses. There's no way, God, there's no way, there's no way that you can use me. God, I can't do that. I don't know much about the Bible. My prayer life stinks. I'm afraid to speak in front of people. I told my wife, she's shocked about this, but like I would almost rather take an F in my speech class in college than get up and speak in front of people and wouldn't you know that God calls me to speak in front of people? Seriously, and you know that. You've been there too. It's like that's just, in my, that's just not my comfort zone. In fact, that's where God wants you to be. Because that's where faith is made, out of your comfort zone. If you can do what God's calling you to do, I would doubt it's from the Lord. God always calls us to do something greater than ourselves. It always calls us to do something that only can depend upon him. And when you feel like, hey, you know, I need you to do this. So I, just, I just don't know if I can do it. I mean, and you start panicking, your hands start sweating. Like, I just don't know if I know much about the Bible. I can't speak in front of people. What if I messed up? Or I've messed up so bad in my past, there's no way I can serve. There's no way that God can use me. I'm not a leader. I haven't been properly trained. I have no money. God, you have the wrong person because I am not good enough. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but I guarantee you if I press down on that in your life and ask you to do something great in serving the church or serving our community, you would throw up an excuse like, man, I, I just get nervous around people. I also know how to speak in front of people. Uh, uh, man, if you really knew my past pastor, there's no way you'd even ask me to do this. Like, man, I, I just, there's, I, 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 I don't know enough about the Bible. I cannot be a, a group leader because I don't have enough knowledge about the Bible as if that's a prerequisite. And we'll make all these excuses and you will make those excuses because of the lack of trust in God's calling on your life and the lack of what you believe that God sees within you. And what happens is 
The devil knows that he can never take my salvation away from me. The devil can never touch my salvation. Jesus has paid for it, died on the cross for it. It is just eternally secured. I'm in God's hand. I'm in Jesus' hand. And he says, no one will pluck you out of my hand. Like you talk about security in Christ. He can never touch my salvation. But you know what he wants to do? He wants me to, make a, he wants me to live a miserable, non-impactful life for the kingdom of God. So what is he? He's gonna lie to me. And he's gonna lie to you to make you believe that you can never do what God has called you to do. And so here's my question for you. What fear is keeping you from doing what God is calling you to do? What fear? What fear is keeping you from stepping out, out of your comfort zone? That's where faith is made. That's where faith is increased. That's where your faith grows is when you step out of your comfort zone. The scripture is clear that God has not given us a spirit of fear. Don't miss that. Fear is a spirit. A spirit of fear. God has not given his children a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And my prayer for you today is that God will say something to you and that he will speak to you and say, I am with you. And there is a mighty warrior inside of you even though you don't see it. So stop making all these excuses. And then in verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Is that not enough? And look what he says, go with the strength that you have. That's so important because every time God asks us to do something, we talk about the lack of what we have. I don't have enough. I don't have enough courage. I don't have enough speaking capacity. I don't have enough you know, money to do that. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough time to serve in the church. I don't have enough time to bless the community. And we tell all the things we lack. And here's what God says. We'll just go work what you got. Just work with what you got. If that's all you have, that's all I need. Just a little bit you have and me, that's all we need. Just go with what you have. Go in the strength that you have. Share your faith with your friend. I can't share my faith with my friend. What if they ask me some question about the Bible I don't know? Let me tell you, if somebody ever asks you about a question about the Bible you don't know, here's what you say. I don't know. Because what it speaks of, really that's rooted in pride because you want them to think you know more than what you know. Just say, I don't know. I don't know, it's a great question. Let's go find out together. Let's, let's read the scripture again. Let's go ask somebody together. Let's go search the Bible together. Like, God may ask you to share your faith. God may invite you to invite someone to church, and you're like, I don't know if I should invite someone. Someone say, hey, today's your day to follow Jesus. What are you waiting on? I'm scared. What are you waiting on? He's given his life for you. He wants to help you, and, 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 and it's the gospel saves you to empower you to live this type of life. God may be saying, jump in a small group, but I don't know anyone. I'm an introvert. I don't like to talk to anybody. You like to talk. Just when you get around the right people, you do. We see, we make excuses. Well, I'm an extrovert, I'm an introvert. I'm this on the Instagram test. Well, this is my person, and I can't do that. And we make all these excuses. And all that's thrown out the window when God steps up and says, do something. No matter what, how you're wired, or, oh, that's just not my strength. That's just not my area. That's just not my comfort zone. That's where God wants you to be. Because he wants to use you in a great way. Why does God want you? So when God works through you, they can't look at you and say, wow, what a great church. Wow, what an awesome worship team. Wow, what a preacher who tries his best to communicate. They'll look and say, wow, what a God they serve. And one of the most encouraging things I've ever heard from my wife is she said, when I come off stage sometimes or I say sometimes and she'll speak to me and she goes, man, you know what? I know that God's in this place, and I know God is doing something great. I have secrets, because I know you, and I know you don't do that. You can't preach like that. Like, you don't talk. Like, that is God working your life. And some of you may say, well, that's a slave. That's the biggest encouragement, 
is that someone could say, you know what, listen, I not do this. This is not based on me. It's not based on us, it's based on what God has done through his people. And when God wants to move people out of their comfort zone, say, here's what I wanna do in their life. I wanna show them how strong that I am. Maybe God said, hey, it's time to start serving. I don't have time. He says, no, you can make time. I'm not really talented. There's places for you to serve. Maybe once you jump in a group, do communion. Well, I just don't know if, if I have, I don't even know if I hang up. But God wants you to, he may be asked you that. Maybe start saying, you know what, it's time to start being generous and start giving. But I don't have enough, I don't have enough. God, I lack all this. He said, that's why you lack. He said, trust me. Let me walk you through this. Maybe it's time to go back to school. Maybe it's time to change careers. Maybe it's time to start that job he wants you to do. And you're, you're making all these excuses. These are times to step out in faith and say, God, I trust you. Why? Because his strength through your weakness is exactly enough. Is exactly enough. We say this all the time. If God is calling you, I promise you, he will equip you to carry out everything that he wants you to do. Which leads to my third and final point. Just to remind us one more time because he reminds them in the text, we forget that God is with us. The first thing he said is, the Lord is with you, but he didn't hear that. And then we come back down in verse 16 and he says, the Lord answered, I will be with you. You will strike down all the Mennonites. I will be with you. You see, a lot of our courage would be found if we just knew that God was with us. And most of the time, most of the time, we don't sense that, we don't feel that. It's what I prayed just while ago is that we would sense his presence because he's here, he's everywhere. And God has already told him that he was with him, but he did not hear it. He goes, I will be with you. Now, some of you need to let that sink into you, this, your, head, your, your, your mind this morning that God says, I am with you. But I don't feel like it, but I'm with you. But I'm struggling, but I'm with you. But I messed up again, but I'm, with, I'm struggling with addiction. I'm with you. But I said it to my wife again, but I'm with, I looked at it online again, but I'm with you. God, I tried it again. I said it again. All these secret stuff in life, and I know I shouldn't. But God's like, wait, wait, but I'm with you. But I don't feel that you're with me. But I am. That's why you're here today. You wouldn't even be here if God wasn't drawing you to himself. No matter who invited you, why you came, or, or what happened, God woke you up, drawed you to this place to remind you that he is with you, that he sees greatness when you don't feel it. But would you receive it? Because when you know that he's with you and you move out all the excuses and you receive what he says about you, there's a courage within you, not courage in your flesh, not courage in your giftedness, not courage in your skills, but courage to know, God, you are with me. And God, if you're with me, who could be against me? God, if you're for me, then who, who can my enemy be? And now my courage is found in him and his word, not me and my gifts or my talents. Gideon goes on, I don't know if you know the rest of the story, it's pretty fascinating, I, I encourage you to, probably not a good bedtime story to read to your children, but it's a good story, it's a good story, because often, sometimes the way with God, you think we wanna go forward, but sometimes God takes us backwards, because he wants to do something to show us something. Gideon goes on and has this, he goes and makes a meal for the angel of the Lord, and he gets like me and you, God, if you really, 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 really want me to do this, and I know, don't judge, but we've done this, God, could you give me a sign? God, just give me a sign. Give me a sign. I used to remember, I didn't even, I believe there, there, deep down inside there was a God, I kinda knew a little bit about it, but I never forget as a seventh grader, laying in my bed at night, 
And I would pray this. I said, God, if you're really real, make it thunder right now. Give me a sign. Show me. I can't tell you how many times I prayed. God, if you're really, really real as a kid, make it thunder right now. You can do it. Make it thunder. Come on, make it thunder. And I listened intently. But just because the sign didn't come doesn't mean that he was not there. Gideon goes and gives me a sign. He takes the fleece and he lays it out and says, God, if you're really real, then I want dew to be on the fleece and no dew on the ground. He wakes up next morning, dew's on the fleece, no dew on the ground. Okay, that could have been an accident. Let's do it one more time. All right, put dew on the ground, not, not Mountain Dew. Some of like, Mountain Dew? No, not Mountain Dew. Dew that falls. Like, put dew on the ground and no dew on the mat, on the fleece. He wakes up next morning, runs out there, and he touches the fleece, and there's no dew. Touches the ground, there's dew. And he's like, man, this is, this is messed up, man. Like, God, he, he tests God. And then finally, on the third, he realized, okay, God, you're real. You see something in me that I can't see in myself. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna try my best to gather as many people as I can to go fight the Midnights. And the scripture tells us that he went and recruited, are you ready for this? 32,000 soldiers. Like, you're talking about excuses. Now just remember, he was hiding in a hole on top of a mountain, the least of his clan, the least of his family. And now 32,000 people looked at him and says, I will follow you to the death. How? What changed? What changed? 32,000, you know what God says to him? You have too many people. Now you gotta understand, the Midianites, scholars believe there are roughly about 200,000 soldiers for the Midianites. And God looks at Gideon and says, 32,000, too many people. You got way too many people. So Gideon, like anybody else, he holds Israel's Got Talent, and he goes from 32,000 all the way down to 300 people. 300. And finally, Gideon says, is that enough? And God said, that's enough, that's all I need, 300 people. And God took 300 people, not with javelin and swords and bows and arrows, but with jars and trumpets, the Bible tells us. And he uses these torches to defeat the Mennonites, 300, just 300. And destroy the Mennonites and ran them all the way out and he became a judge and a great leader, one of the best leaders in the Old Testament we see through the book of Judges. Now what happened to the boy in the hole scared for his life? What changed? Watch this, his belief. His belief changed, one, that God was with him. And two, what God saw in him was enough. And that with him and his weakness and God and his strength is all that he needed. And he goes on to be one of the greatest warriors, the greatest judges in the Old Testament. See, sometimes we see the end, but we don't see where they started, in a hole, scared to death, making excuses, never be good enough. If you're here today and that's you, in a hole, making excuses, my past, my sin, my struggles, my circumstances, I'll never, not me, whoa, if that's you, God has something great in store for you. Don't you give up because God sees something mighty within you, this purpose, this potential, this dream, this calling, and God wants to do the impossible through your life. I know that. And some of you are facing impossible situations right now. I just wanna tell you to hold on because you're a great candidate to do the impossible. You see, it's your weakness that's a great conduit for God's strength in your life. 
If God is with you, then the deal is done. It's over. If God is for you, then who in the world can be against you? So I'm gonna conclude with some questions. What is God calling you to do? Give your life to him today? It's a big statement. I don't don't know, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. See, we make excuses when he's drawing you to himself. Take your next step to be baptized? We know that's a command in the scripture, but I don't know how people see me get baptized and I just don't know and I'm not getting embarrassed. What, see what I'm saying? The enemy's gonna do everything he can for us to make excuses. Jump in a group, I don't have time, man, I might go on vacation, we do two vacations and I, I might miss and kids and I got four kids and they're in all sports and all this, I just don't have, see what I'm saying? We make all these excuses. Leader group, I don't know enough about the Bible. Start serving, I don't have time to show up and serve on Sunday morning. I just wanna come in, come out, get it done, check it off and go. Like I don't have time. We make all these, what's he calling you to? To serve your community? Go back to school, start that business? We can go on and on and on. Like, what is he calling you to do? That you may see is impossible to ask, but God sees something that no one sees. So don't be fearful, the Lord is with you. You are a mighty warrior. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. I pray that the Lord encourage you this morning. That he encourage you. And in the midst of your struggles, one, he's with you. He loves you. And he wants to save you and use you. And that is only able through the gospel. Jesus came, he died, he got up out of the grave for you. And it's only the gospel that can empower you to live a Christ-centered, gospel-centered life. And so apart from the gospel, we're lost, we're confused, we're an enemy. Like this world is all we have. But with the gospel, with Jesus in us, guess what, we become a mighty warrior. Our sins can be completely forgiven washed white as snow. And everything that you're afraid of and all your excuses and all your fears and all your anxiety and everything you're afraid of, it's in, watch, it's in your weakness. The gospel is made strong through you and when people see that, guess what? God gets all the glory. So what is he calling you to do? All I'm asking you, because I don't know every, I don't know your heart, I don't know what his, your struggles, I don't know what he's calling you to do, I just wanna encourage you to be obedient, step out by faith, get out of your comfort zone. That's where faith is made. Quit making excuses and start believing who God says you, who you are. And if today you realized that you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and really that's the struggle, then I wanna encourage you today to give your life to him. At all of our campuses right now, in other words, you're Ashlyn, Grayson, Pastor Aaron and Pastor Derek, they're there to help, to serve, to shepherd you, to help you walk through any circumstance, any situation. Take your next steps in following Jesus. All you need to do today is surrender your life to him. How do I do that, Pastor? The Bible says it's very clear. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So right where you set up both of, all of our locations, will you just cry out to the Lord and say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me.
And as best as I know how, I repent of my sins and I put my faith and trust in you. Now help me become everything that you see within me. If that's you, just in a moment, your campus pastor or host are gonna come out and they're gonna share with you ways you could take next steps. Listen to me, if you gave your life to Jesus today, in just a moment, text the BLC in that line. Tell somebody at the next step area. We wanna celebrate with you that lives are being changed. Father, we thank you for your word. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old and it still applies to us. We still make excuses. We still see our faults. We're still blinded by the devil. We still listen to the lies. But God, you see greatness. You see potential through the gospel-centered person who follows you, trusts you, believes and knows that you're with us. I pray that we all who believe here today would take you at your word. You are who you say you are. We are who you say you are. Your children, your family, joint heirs with Jesus. And God, that through the gospel, we'll be empowered to live a gospel-centered life at work, at school, at home, at the mall, at shopping. It doesn't matter that everyone sees, not us and our weakness, but God, your strength through our weakness. We love you, Jesus. In your name we ask and we pray. Amen.